Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 25. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. James chapter 1 says to count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. If you've been with us, give me your attention. If you've been with us, you know that Paul has been in various trials. Paul has been involved in a long legal ordeal. Back in Acts chapter 21-ish, 22, Paul had been mobbed, remember? And they were ready to tear him limb from limb. It was at that moment that a Roman commander, remember his name was Claudius Lysias. Claudius Lysias, he comes in, he grabs Paul, and basically he put Paul in protective custody. And Paul asked if he could have a word with the people, remember that? And Claudius agreed. And so Paul, remember the scene, he's standing on the stairs of the Antonio Fortress. And he begins to address the city in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, and he gives his testimony. And when Paul finished his testimony, they were ready to kill him. And so the commander didn't know why the citizens were so upset with him. So they took Paul and they wanted to scourge him to get the truth out of him. And just as they had taken Paul and they knelt him over that tree stump, chained his hands down, stretched his back across it, ready to scourge him, taking the whip, having the whip probably just up in the air, ready to come down upon Paul's back. Paul looks up at the executioner and Paul says, is it legal to scourge a Roman citizen who is uncondemned? And it was at that time and that executioner, he backed off. Why? Because it was against Roman law to even bind a Roman citizen uncondemned. And it was against Roman law to scourge a Roman citizen uncondemned. And so they didn't scourge Paul. And then Paul was taken before a trial and this time before the Sanhedrin. So Paul now is standing before a trial Before the Jewish, are you listening? Before the Jewish Supreme Court and a riot breaks out. You know, someone once said of Paul that Paul was noted for revivals and riots. And that's very, very true as you look through the scriptures. And so Paul goes back into the witness protection program, if you will. And while he's there, remember, I love this, his nephew, Paul's unnamed nephew, 
comes in and, and he tells Uncle Paul, he says, Uncle Paul, I heard these 40 guys who, who had taken an oath that they weren't going to eat or drink anything until they killed you, Uncle Paul. And Uncle Paul told his nephew to go tell the Roman commander, Lysias. The nephew went to the commander and told him of the plot to kill his uncle. You following me? Of the plot to kill his uncle. And the commander decided that he better get Paul out of there. So it was at that point that the Roman commander, Claudius Lysias, sends Paul up to Caesarea with 472 armed guards. It was last week that we talked about Paul finds himself standing in another trial, and this time before Felix, not the cat. You knew that, didn't you? He finds himself standing before Felix, the governor. And as Paul began to share, remember, he shared about three things with Felix, righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. And Felix, the Bible says, began to tremble. Felix began to sweat. Felix was afraid. Why? Because I believe, listen, that Felix was under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And Felix was rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit. And he started sweating and fearful. And he told Paul, he says, go away and I'll call for you at some other convenient season. Well, we know the convenient season never came for him. And so Paul went through lots of trials. Trials before the citizens of Jerusalem, trials before the Roman commander, trial before the Jewish Supreme Court, trial before Felix, the governor. And this morning, listen, saints, we come yet to another trial, but this time before the new governor Festus and King Agrippa. I titled my sermon this morning, The Trial, The Verdict, and The Appeal. Acts chapter twenty. Four. Let's back up a little bit, if you will, to Acts chapter 24, and we will pick up our study in verse 27. Acts 24, verse 27. Saints, if you're with me, say amen. Man, that wasn't enough of y'all. Acts chapter 24, verse 27. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Much better. But after two years in verse 27 of 24, Porcius Festus, succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Now, in verse 20, verse 1, verse chapter 25, when Festus had come to the providence, after three days he went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem. And then the high priest and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul, and they petitioned him, asking a favor against him that he would summon him to Jerusalem while they lay in ambush along the road to kill him. But Festus answered in verse 4 that Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he himself was going there shortly. Therefore, he said, let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man to see if there is any fault in him. And when he had remained among them more than 10 days, he went down to Caesarea and the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, he commanded Paul to be brought. And when he had come, in verse 7, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which, what saints? They could not prove. 
And while he answered for himself, Paul said, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I offended in anything at all. But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? And so Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged to the Jews. I have done no wrong, as you very well know. For if I am an offender or have committed anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying. But if there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar Nero. And then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, you have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you shall go. Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention What we have here, listen, between chapter 24 and 25 is a change of administration. A change of administration from the governorship of Felix to the governorship of Festus. And the reason for the change of governorship is because as we talked about it last week, remember I told you that Felix was a bad governor. Felix was a corrupt governor. Felix allowed women to be raped and houses to be pillaged. And he allowed crime in the city of Caesarea. Crime was rampant in the city of Caesarea. So when Rome heard about it, about the governorship of Felix and how terrible it was, Rome wanted to replace him. Rome replaced Felix with Festus. So we have Felix now who was governor and Felix, listen close, is an old pro. Felix, he knew the political ropes. Felix was a seasoned politician. He knew the Jews and he was informed. Remember we talked about it. He was informed about Christianity, about the way. So Felix was an old pro in this area of politics. When Felix left the office, he left the office to Festus with a lot of problems. Festus, on the other hand, are you listening, was a new guy. He was green. He was inexperienced. He didn't know much about the Pharisees and about the Sadducees and about the Jewish religion. And so he comes from Caesarea to Jerusalem to introduce himself. And when he got to Jerusalem, the high priest and the chief men said, listen, we need you to do us a favor. We're trying to set Paul up. We want to ambush him and we want to kill him. Now you want to keep in mind, listen, remember those 40 men? And remember it was those 40 men who actually two years ago had made a vow not to eat or drink until Paul was dead. Are you feeling me? Here we have two years later, and those 40 guys, they're either dead or they're very skinny because they haven't eaten a thing in two years. Well, Festus said, listen, I'm going back to Caesarea, and if you have something against Paul, then come with us and make your accusations then. So they traveled 65 miles from Caesarea to Jerusalem. The Bible tells us, are you listening? The next day, Festus was sitting on the judgment seat and commanded that Paul be brought in. 
the Jews made accusations that they could not prove. And Paul said, listen, I haven't offended or broken the law in any way. And while Paul was speaking, Festus said, look, come to Jerusalem with me and let's deal with this. And Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat. I haven't done anything wrong and you know it. And if I have done something wrong, then kill me. But if you can't prove anything, then let me go. I'm not going back to Jerusalem. I get the sense, can you feel it? That Paul is very, very frustrated at this point. He's frustrated at this point. Because Paul is saying, listen, you know, I've had enough of this political stupidity. I've been in custody. I've been in Caesarea for two years. I can't get a fair trial. I've been jerked around from trial to trial. Paul is disgusted with the whole legal maneuvering and the political manipulation. And he was tired of being the political pawn in their sick little chess game. And Paul is ready to be done with the whole situation. Paul says, that's it. I've had it. I'm done with it which reminds me of a story. Listen, an American businessman was traveling in Europe on the railroad with a lawyer, a Cuban, and a Russian. So the Cuban took out a cigar, a Cuban cigar, and he lit it, and he took a puff of it, and he threw it out the window. Well, the businessman said, man, that was an expensive Havana cigar. You took one puff, you threw it out the window. The Cuban said, oh, no worries. In Cuba, we have cigars everywhere. It's one of those things that we have plenty of. Well, the Russian took a bottle out of his coat and he took a swig of Russian vodka and he tossed the bottle out the window. Well, the businessman was horrified. He said, man, that was good vodka and you just tossed it out the window. When a Russian said, well, we drink it like water. We, we have much vodka, no problem. It's one of the things we have plenty of. Well, then the American businessman heard that and he looked over at this lawyer and he opened the window. <laughs> now, if you're a lawyer, I love you. You know, you know I, it's just a joke. So I read this. I'm going somewhere with these people. I'm going somewhere. And so I read this and, and I think to myself, you know, it's almost like I feel like Paul felt that way. Paul was just kind of ready to throw the whole political system out the window. He was just ready to be done with the whole system. And sometimes as Christians, I don't know about you. You know, the Bible says we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like throwing the whole political system out the window. I mean, you never know. I thank God for this little voter's guide thing because it's really helped me because I, I just don't get it. I need to keep it simple. I just don't. I, I need to keep it simple. Does any fellow keep it simple? Folks, there you go. All right, good. I don't need all that. And this little voter's guide helps to keep things simple because, you know, sometimes you listen to, you know, you get in an election time and, you, and all of the political maneuvering and the political manipulation. And sometimes you just want to throw the whole system out the window. Listen and be done with it. But listen, the Bible tells us Christians, listen close. The Bible tells us don't throw it out. The Bible tells us that we should pray about it. The Bible tells us as Christians that we are to be praying for our political system, for our president. 
It's in first Timothy chapter two, verse one. And it reads this. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers and intercessions and the giving of thanks be made for all men and for whose saints kings and for all who are in authority. The king would be the president. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 13 in verse one, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and the authorities that are exist are appointed by God. Saints, it matters not who you voted for. It matters not what political party that you are a part of. The Bible says that we are to pray for our king and to pray for our president. And you need to listen and listen close. When Paul wrote first Timothy to the church and when he wrote to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 13, when he said to pray for the king, are you listening? When he said to pray for the king, we need to understand the king at that time was Caesar Nero. Caesar Nero. Listen, Caesar Nero was probably the worst king in recorded in all of history. And he certainly was the worst king as it relates to Christianity and how he treated our brothers and sisters. You know, we often think that we live in the most corrupt society and we go, oh, this is so bad. Oh, the world is so bad. Oh, it's getting worse and worse and worse. Well, well, yeah, it is getting worse, but I don't know that I would agree that this is the worst our culture has ever been. Because if you had lived or just read history, we can see that the worst corrupt government ever known to man was under the leadership of this man named Caesar Nero. And Paul says to the Christians, I want you to pray for Caesar. I want you to pray for those in authority. I don't want you to buck up against those in authority because those in authority are there because God allowed them to be there. And whether you like it or not, God is the one who is in control of all peoples, all countries, all nations. Somebody say amen. God is in control. Don't you understand? God is the one manipulating and Marriott, you know, those little Marriott people, not the Marriott, the Marriott's. Aren't they called Marriott's? Marionettes, whatever. And those, uh, you know, those, they're like, you know, and God is the one who's manipulating and puppeting the affairs of men because God is in control. And all of the things that we see that are happening in the world today are only being maneuvered by God to lead us to the expected end. And that is the return of Jesus Christ. Somebody say, amen. All of these things. Well, God's in control. So this guy named Caesar Nero, he was awful. He was awful toward Christians. He hated Christians. As a matter of fact, it's recorded in the Fox's Book of Martyrs. I don't know if we have a copy in the bookstore, but you might want to pick one up if you have not. He would take Christians, our brothers and sisters, and dip them in hot wax and dip them in tar. And he would strategically place them in his gardens. And he would light them on fire. And he would nakedly ride on his chariot. And, and he'd riding on his chariot and he's screaming, you said you were the light of the world, then be the light of the world. As our brothers and sisters, six million of them plus 
were persecuted under the reign of this man, Nero. And Paul says, pray for him. Pray for him. Paul says, pray that you might lead a quiet and peaceable life. Pray for the government. Don't throw it out. Don't give up. You pray for the government. And not only should you not throw it out and don't give up, but the Bible says that we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. Somebody should say amen. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And we need to be salt. What does salt do? Salt preserves. I really believe this with all my heart. The peace that you are now experiencing on this earth. We have that peace because Christians are still on the earth. People go, oh, well, it's, the world is terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. We still have a, a sense of peace. I mean, I locked my door last night and I woke up this morning. My door was still locked and the window wasn't broke and we were safe. We still have a level of peace. And we have that peace because Christians are on the earth. But the Bible teaches that when the salt is removed and the light is removed, then the tribulation begins. I mean this in the best way. And then all hell will really break loose. Read your Bible. So we're to be light wherever we are. It reminds me of the pastor, the Reverend Joe Wright, who was asked to have a prayer during the Kansas Senate. And perhaps you heard this. And he was asked to have a prayer and to open in a prayer for the Kansas uh, Senate. And everyone was expecting, you know, the normal generalities in, in the prayer. But this, listen close, is what Reverend Joe Wright began to pray. And this is what they heard. He said, Heavenly Father, and this is true. He said, Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask your forgiveness and seek your direction and guidance. We know your word says, woe to those who call evil good, but that is exactly what we have done. We have lost our spiritual equilibrium and reversed our values. We confess that we have ridiculed the absolute truth of your word, and we've called it pluralism. We've worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We've endorsed perversion and called it alternative lifestyle. We've exploited the poor and called it the lottery. We've rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We have killed our unborn and called it choice. We have shot abortionists and called it justifiable. We've neglected to discipline our children and we call it building self-esteem. We've abused power and we called it politics. We coveted our neighbor's possessions and we called it ambition. We have polluted the air with profanity and pornography and we've called it freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers for, and we've called it enlightenment. Search us, O oh God, and know our hearts today. Cleanse us from every sin and set us free and guide and bless these men and women who have been sent to direct us to the center of your will and to openly ask these things in the name of your son, the living savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Is that awesome or what? That is awesome. And I can imagine when they heard that, they were like, Because we're called to be salt. We're called to be light. We're called to be a witness. And Paul, at this point, was salt 
and light and a witness. And Paul says in our text, I am going to exercise my Roman right to appeal to Caesar. And when Festus heard that, he said, I've got to let you exercise your right to go to Caesar in verse 12. So to Caesar you shall go. Notice what happens now in verse 13. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. And after some days, King Agrippa and Bernice. Now I'm going to tell you something about her. She's something else. This woman's something else. I'll tell you about it in a minute. After some days, King Agrippa and Bernice came to Caesarea to greet Festus. And when they had been there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying... There is a certain man left a prisoner by Felix, about whom the chief priest and the elders of the Jews informed me when I was in Jerusalem asking for a judgment against him. And to them I answered, it is not the custom of the Romans to deliver any man to destruction before the accused meets the accusers face to face and has opportunity to answer for himself concerning the charge against him. Therefore, when they had come together without any delay, the next day, I sat on the judgment seat and I commanded the man to be brought in. And when the accusers stood up, they brought no accusation against him of such things as I supposed, but had some questions against him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who had died, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. And because I was uncertain of such questions, I asked whether he was willing to go to Jerusalem and there be judged concerning these matters. But when Paul in verse 21 appeared, appealed to be reserved for the decision of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I could send him to Caesar. Stop right there. Listen. Verse 13, give me your attention, is a turning point in the book of Acts. Here in verse 13, Paul is at the point where the die is cast. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.